This is the Madtown Mom Squad podcast from Magic 98. Like minded, hard working Madison moms discussing mom stuff. Now, here's Krista and her squad. We have Ms. Lori Asadi. She is a limited licensed psychologist, school psychologist. She's been in practice for 33 years. She is also the author of Waking from the Nightmare, Giving Our Kids Optimism. And she's recently retired, but she still works nonstop because uh, she's, again, someone that I work with on a daily. So, Ms. Lori Asadi, welcome back to the Mom Squad. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here again. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. Uh, now, as we both know, and lots of parents know, that back to school is here. And for some of our kiddos, that can be very exciting. And also, this could be kind of like a very nerve-wracking time. So I know today's topic we are discussing is the many faces of childhood anxiety. So let's get into this. Do children okay. exhibit anxiety differently than you know us as adults? I mean, can children have an actual panic attack? Absolutely. In adults, anxiety can often be exhibited through just irritability and quick temper. But in children, because they have a less mature brain, it looks more like rages, meltdowns, um, defiance, and it leads to adults who don't know any better treating it as a, a purposeful behavior. You know, you're choosing to disobey me, you're choosing to act out, that kind of thing. And so I think it's really one of the more hidden disorders in children, and and the management of it should be totally different than with a behavior problem. Right. So it can absolutely look different. And and also because we're less tolerant of children's behavior than we are of adults' behavior for some bizarre reason. I was going to say, like, what's up with that, right? (laughs) I know. It's like, okay. All right. So listen, Lori, so are there different than types of anxiety that are commonly seen than in our kiddos that we should know of? In my experience, separation anxiety and performance anxiety. Anxiety is a really tough animal because children are very invested in hiding their feelings, especially at school. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, Every aspect of a child is on display at school. There's nothing private at school, whether it's your intelligence, artistic ability, your music ability, your athletic ability, everything is on display. And so children that have a lot of Mm self-doubt or they have social anxiety, which is the fear of potentially being embarrassed or fear of failure in front of a group, they become very invested in hiding that. What I have found in kids with anxiety, they need a safe emotional place to show their anxiety and to talk about it, especially when it comes out as rage. A great example of a little guy that I met in the last year who was totally, everybody thought he was perfect. He was very articulate, very bright, straight-A student, respectful, all those things that we want to see in a little second or third grader. He would come home and absolutely rage. About nothing, about nothing, any kind of, you know, no, you have to wait to do this or whatever. And after his rages, he would be beyond remorseful crying. I mean, it was obvious that they terrified him. So when I met him, I talked to him about what I call the anxiety monster, the worry monster that sort of takes over your brain. And he 
totally understood that concept and readily admitted it, mm-hmm. that he was, you know, the reason he could hold it together at school is because he was terrified of being embarrassed or terrified of what people would think of him. And so regardless of it, he sort of brushed his feelings aside during school and did what he was supposed to do. But when he got home, his, he was exhausted, his brain was exhausted, and he couldn't handle any kind of disappointment because what he was doing at home was totally out of character for him. And once I explained to him exactly what was going on, I labeled it as anxiety instead of him being mean to his siblings or disrespectful to his parents. Within a couple of sessions, he had it completely turned around. Once I related it more to his brain overreacting versus his character, you know, you're disrespectful, you talk back, blah, blah, blah. Once I got rid of those fears in him, he was able to calm himself. I think that's a good example of it coming out or not coming out at school and yet still being a significant problem. It would have been easy for a therapist to say, well, this is obviously a parenting problem because it only happens at home. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, no, the home is where he felt safe. And and his body and his brain said, "Okay, I'm going to do and be what I want to do. It's hard to always have the uh, happy face on. Right. Uh, I'm someone that does that. And you just never know what someone's truly thinking, especially when they're going through things. They they learn how to hide it. And like you said, when he goes home, that's when he like lets it all out. Be sure to share, rate and subscribe to the Madtown Mom Squad. Krista has a new episode every Tuesday. For more content and to binge past episodes, go to magic98.com or download the Magic app. So, Lori, why does, I mean, this is really important, why does the school environment seem to increase feelings of anxiety for our kids? First of all, like I said earlier, everything is on public display. Mm-hmm. Even, even your socioeconomic class, if you really think about it, what kind of car does your mom drive when she picks you up after school? What kind of clothes do you wear? Do you have the the most recent shoe fashion? You know, everything. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think just the very nature of school increases their anxiety, which is why it's so important for teachers and adults at school to understand that kids just need a safe place to just be. And the other thing is that the anxious brain is very protective, and it's going to protect you from any hint of danger, whether it's accurate or not. And so when you walk in there and your brain says, "Uh uh-oh, here's a place you can be embarrassed, you can look like a failure, people can laugh at you or think you're stupid or think this or think that, then your your brain goes into overdrive. And so you immediately slip into that fight or flight mode as soon Mm -hmm. as you walk in the building sometimes. Yeah. I remember with Gia, and I was so, so proud of her that um, she started cheerleading and she was the only seventh grader to get on to the, uh, the cheerleading squad. And I was so happy for her. And so, you know, she would do all her practices. And then she realized that there was a pep rally, but she didn't quite get that. You know, now it's time to perform in front of the whole school. And she was so nervous that she wasn't going to most likely do it. And so I had to sit her down Mm -hmm. and just tell her, you know, you worked really hard, honey. This is what it's all about. And, you know, it's, um, you know, she was feeling, you know, afraid, like if people would make fun of her, I said, the school Mm -hmm. loves pep rallies. It's all about team spirit. So she right. did it and she overcame that fear and I was just so proud of her. So yeah. Yeah. Things that's like that. huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. And and what I tell the kids when they do something brave like that, you have to teach your brain a lesson. 
And every time you, you complete something that made you nervous or anxious or scared and you did it anyway, you're, you taught your brain a lesson and your brain is misfiring and sending you inaccurate messages and you have to kind of stand up to your brain. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, putting it in that framework of this is what your brain's designed to do, but it doesn't always do it accurately. It's designed that there's a part of your brain that's designed to keep you safe. The problem is that sometimes just the way we're wired, it overreacts to things. It can't, and, and if it senses there might be danger, what that part of the brain goes into, Krista, is just in case, okay? Mm-hmm. Just in case, um, I'm going to set you up, your body up for fight or flight, just so you have it available. And then it kind of takes over. So it's amazing. I've even had five and six-year-olds that I put it in those terms for them, and they understand it. If you use the right language and the right delivery and you separate it from who they are as a person, it makes a huge difference. I've seen it over and over again. And I had a five-year-old a couple years ago, you know, he came in to see me the third or fourth time. And I said, how are you doing? He said, that anxiety monster is gone. Very (laughs) good. Yeah. Exactly. So I, you know, you depersonalize it, but adults are not great at doing that, you know? So it kind of brings me back to when I was in sixth grade. I remember every time that I would go into the lunchroom, there were these two brothers um, mm-hmm. that would sing one eye, one horse, fine pumpkin people leader, one eye, because they'd made fun oh of me because I had a, God. you know, because I had a glass eye. And so I knew every time I would go into lunch that this was going to happen. And so, yeah, like you said, but my, my mom and grandma taught me to turn, you know, people making fun of me into a, you know, mm-hmm. positive experience like oh Krista they're just jealous because they have to see out of two and you only have to see out of one I'm like that's right mom that's right (laughs) right being a mom is hard work the Madtown Mom Squad is here to help like-minded hard-working Madison moms discussing well mom stuff the Madtown Mom Squad Tuesday mornings between 10 and 11 anytime at magic98.com or in the magic app the Mom Squad, only on Magic 98. All right, so Lori, here's my last question for you. What is the most effective response from adults when a child is in the middle of a meltdown, worrying and embarrassment and anxiety? What What would you have them say to their kids? I would start the sentence with, let's, let's see how we can make this better. That engages them. Uh, stay away from threatening consequences. It tends to just fuel the fear, and that's a time when you have to do two things as an adult. One, you have to problem solve, and I tell kids all the time, there's a solution to every problem. We just have to figure it out, and the other one is to sympathize, and we don't really like to do that to kids when they're acting out. We think we're teaching them the wrong lesson. I got to tell you, when your brain is in that state, you're not learning any lesson except, you know, here's another enemy telling me that I'm not meeting expectations. And so giving emotional care and saying, you know, remember what this is. This is your brain. I mean, again, and I think those things can be taught at the elementary level, you know, in Mm -hmm. a classroom. You know, these are your big feelings and we have to find ways to quiet them. And we know all the research points to breathing and what that does. Um, Come on over here. Let you and I do some funny breathing stuff together and things like that. The other thing that I want adults to say to kids is this feels very, very hard. 
hard and impossible, but you've done a lot of hard things in your young life. And so we're going to get through this together. And again, we have trouble using that approach with kids because we don't think they deserve it. And yet that's the approach we use with our friends, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. as adults. Right. Um, so we're willing to give adults that emotional care when they need it, but not children, which just makes no sense to me. So the worst thing you can do is is threaten consequences, you know, and instead give emotional care. And a lot of people are going to criticize you for that. You're letting them get away with it. And like I had a kid tell me, what in the world am I getting away with? You know, I feel horrible. I'm terrified. Mm -hmm. I'm acting horrible. What am I getting away with? We, We need to listen more, I think, to kids. Absolutely. Well, you're just phenomenal, Lori, in what you do. And you, you know, you you speak all over the place helping parents when it comes to communicating with their kiddos. Again, Lori has a phenomenal book that she wrote called Waking from the Nightmare, Giving Our Kids Optimism. And then can people get that on Amazon or anything like that? They can email me or they can email you and I can send it to you and you can get it off. We'll definitely include that in our podcast. Well, Miss Lori Asadi, I absolutely adore you. I want to say happy birthday to you my friend (laughs) because i know it's a special day you're welcome and we cannot wait to have you back on the mom squad and thank you for everything and all the love that you share not only to me and my daughter but the world oh thank you you're so welcome (laughs) all right we'll talk again hopefully all right girl we'll talk to you later all right bye sweetheart okay bye thanks for listening to the mad town mom squad from magic 98 Be sure to share, rate, and subscribe to the Madtown Mom Squad. Krista has a new episode every Tuesday. For more content and to binge past episodes, go to magic98.com or download the Magic app. Mom Squad, only on Magic 98.